This program is made possible by the giving of the God-called partners of Renner Ministries. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Welcome to today's program, my friend. Today we're going to wrap up all the questions which you've been sending to me, which we've been answering, and the we is me and Mr. Joel. Joel, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dad. It's been really good to be with you this week. I look forward to this every year when you and I sit down for a whole week and we answer questions which people have sent to me. And if you have more questions, send them and we'll save them for when we do this again. But this has been quite a week. And today we're going to talk about interpersonal relationships and conflicts. How do you get through conflicts? How do you forgive? And we've seen that the word forgive is a translation of the Greek word aphiemi. Ay, ay, ay. It means to release and let it go and never retrieve it again. That's what Jesus did for you. When you ask him for forgiveness, he covers it. He washes it in his blood and he doesn't say later, you know what? I know you asked for forgiveness, but I think I'm just going to drag that up and talk to you about it again. He doesn't do that. The devil does that. But once he forgives, he lets it go. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31, 34, I will remember your iniquity no more. It does not mean God has amnesia, but he's made a choice. Once he has forgiven, he lets it go. And one way you know if you're really walking in forgiveness is if you're able to never bring it up again because real forgiveness just forgives it and lets it go. And today we're going to cover issues touching all of this. But we're offering you the series, which is called Rick Renner answers your difficult questions. Again, send us questions. We'll use them the next time. But this week, we've been answering your questions every day. On Monday, we talked about end-time events. On Tuesday, we talked about church and ministry questions. And on Wednesday, doctrinal questions. And on Thursday, financial questions. And today, interpersonal relationships and conflicts. I think it's really going to be helpful, and it's going to be very, very funny. But this comes with a great study guide. And when you reach out to us, be sure to let us know how to pray for you. We really want to pray for you. And remember that right now, this week, we're offering you a 30% discount, Joel, on everything on our website. That is a lot. Yes, it is. Wow, you're going to love it. So go there, look it up, take advantage of that discount. But hey, we'll be back in just a moment. The holiday season always brings about fond memories and cherished traditions. For many, one of those cherished traditions is the reading of the Christmas story. In Rick Renner's timeless new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, your family can uncover the beautiful details of the nativity story you have never heard. When I was growing up, I heard the same Christmas story year after year, and I loved it. When I got older, I found treasures in the Christmas story that no one had shared with me. That's what is in this book, and I wrote it to share with you and for you to share with those whom you love. Through its detailed watercolor illustration, Christmas, the rest of the story, invites families to explore the true meaning of Christmas as they interact with the story across decorated pages in a coffee table-sized format. When you call or go online right now to pre-order this book for just $35, you'll receive the eternal story of Christmas, now beautifully told in this timeless keepsake. Christmas is a special time when you can pass your faith on to your children and grandchildren. With this engaging new book, you can reinforce the true meaning of Christmas, Jesus, the Savior of the world. 
With magnificent illustrations across nearly 300 pages, your family will create a special tradition that will last for generations. Great as a gift or enhancing your own traditions, pre-order the book Christmas, The Rest of the Story for just $35. Call now or go to renner.org to order. Don't miss this special Christmas offer. Welcome back to the program. Joel, let's get started. What's question number one? What does the Bible say about conflict? About conflict. Well, conflict is an inevitable part of life. Anytime you have multiple people in the same room, you have different opinions and sometimes very strong opinions. But a verse that's been very important for me is Romans chapter 12, verse 18, which says, If it be possible... As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And the Greek really means if it's doable. Sometimes it's really not doable. But if it's doable, as much as depends on you, be at peace with all men. So if it's doable, God expects us to do our part to be in peace. But there's another verse that has meant so much to me over the years. And it's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, which says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And Joel, that word follow is the word dioko, which is a hunting term that depicts a hunter who's following the tracks of an animal. He's got his hunting gear. He's wearing his hunting clothes. He's following the scent of the animal, the tracks of the animal, every little broken branch to see if that animal has walked through here. And he's following and following and following and following. And that's the word used in this verse, follow after peace, which means if you want peace in your relationships, You've got to seek it. Peace doesn't come to you. You've got to follow the trails of peace, and sometimes you've got to learn the trail. You've got to follow the scent of peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And I always thought that meant that if you had bad relationships, you wouldn't go to heaven. But it couldn't mean that. Then what does it mean? Well, when it says without which no man shall see the Lord, the word see here means to be admitted into the immediate presence of God, which basically means if you've got strife in a relationship, that strife is a blocker that stops you from experiencing the presence of the Lord. Have you ever been in a meeting where everybody around you is being blessed? They're weeping, they're crying, they're rejoicing, and you feel nothing. You wonder why. It's because you've got strife in your life and strife is a blocker. And I want to give you a testimony. Okay, you ready? Mm-hmm. By the way, what I'm about to tell you is pretty hilarious. Sad, but it's hilarious. And it's recorded in the autobiography, Unlikely. If you don't read anything else in this book, read this story. It will set you free to us laughing. And this story is the reason why I wrote the book called You Can Get Over It. I had to learn how to get over something. Well, when we first moved to the former Soviet Union, we moved our family to the Republic of Latvia, and we lived in Riga, and we started our church. We went on TV, and God was just miraculously blessing, but there was another pastor in town who wasn't very happy about it, and the reason he wasn't happy is because he believed he was leading a new generation of believers into the future, and that the whole city belonged to him, and when we started our church, it offended him. He said, this is my city. I'm not sharing it with anybody else. And he began to publicly really derail me. Well, I didn't like him either. He was a little short guy. And he had doctrine that I considered to be pretty bad doctrine. For example, he taught that 
every Christian was infested with demons and every Christian needed to be delivered again and again and again and again every week. Once I attended his services and I watched people that were vomiting into boxes thinking they were delivering themselves from demons. And I watched them. They were just working themselves up into a frazzle till they started vomiting. These were Christians. They didn't have demons. I just did not like that doctrine. And I didn't like his belief that he was the only one that could have a big church in Riga. So one day he said to his congregation publicly, little short guy, well, there's another preacher in town who says God's going to use him to start a church. But let me tell you what I think of that preacher. He's bald. He's talking about me. He said, anybody that's bald at that young stage in life surely is under some kind of a curse of God. That's what he told his church. When I heard about it, I laughed because I'd been bald almost since I was 17. I started losing my hair very early in life. Didn't mean anything to me. But then I began to think about it and I got really perturbed. And I found myself doing the unthinkable. I stood in my pulpit and I said to our new church, which was growing very rapidly, I hear there's another preacher in town who says anybody who's bald is under a curse of God. But if you want to know what I think, anyone whose growth is stunted is the one who's obviously under a curse of God. I couldn't believe I said it. And in fact, my attitude about him became so bad, Joel, I called him the pygmy pastor. <laughs> That's awful. And my attitude got worse and worse and worse. And one day when I was praying, the Lord said to me, Rick, do you want revival? I said, oh, that's why I'm here. You know I want revival. He said, Rick, I'm going to ask you again, do you really want revival? I said, Lord, you know I want revival. He asked me a third time, do you really want revival? I said, Lord, I really want revival. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, then here's what you got to do. You got to get in the car, drive across town, have a meeting with that pastor, get on your knees in front of him and ask for his forgiveness for your attitude because your attitude is blocking revival. I immediately said, and what about him? What about his attitude? And the Lord said, I'm not talking to you about him. I'm talking to you about you. So many times we say, well, what about him? What about them? Hey, God was talking to me about my attitude. And it took me about two months to do it, Joel. Finally, one day I worked up the nerve, got in the car, drove over there, went up into his office. Oh, I was dreading this. I did not want to get on my knees in front of the pygmy pastor. So we talked about the weather. We talked about our kids. We talked about everything. When there was nothing else to talk about, I said, well, I need to tell you why I'm really here. I'm here to deal with me. And I slipped onto one knee, one knee, and I thought, that's as low as I'm going. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, both knees. <sighs> so I dropped down onto my second knee, and I looked up to speak to him and he was leaning over his desk, looking down at me with his eyes open like with glee. I can't believe it. Rick Renner is bowing before me. I had to close my eyes and not look at him thinking, Rick, you're not here to deal with him. You're here to deal with you. And I heard myself begin to ask forgiveness 
for forgiveness in the wrong way. I said, you know, you've done a lot of wrong things. I thought, you know what? You're not here to deal with him. You're here to deal with you. So I said, but in spite of all of that, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I've talked about you. I've said bad things about you. And I'm here today to ask you to forgive me. I really wanted him to get on his knees and ask for forgiveness too, but he did not. But I wasn't there to deal with them. him. I was there to deal with me. And when I got up, I was free. I was free. And from that moment forward, guess what I did? Joel, I put on my hunting gear. And I decided I was going to capture peace with that man. We invited them to our home for dinner. We began to do things with him, regularly meet with him. And today, many, many, many years later, that man and I are still very dear and very cherished friends. And though we don't see each other often, we really appreciate each other. But it didn't start that way. We had to find a way to capture peace. And sometimes in life, you've got difficult relationships with your spouse or your kids. That's really hard. Sometimes siblings have a hard time getting along. They just have a hard time. And you've got to really find a way to find peace. And I learned, Joel, that in Proverbs chapter 3, there's I'm, I'm, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's some real wisdom. It says there's a time to speak and a time not to speak. There's a time to embrace and there's a time not to embrace. And if you're dealing with a difficult relationship, you need to know when it's time to talk, when to be quiet. You need to know when it's time to embrace, when it's time to back away and give somebody space. And here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is a master hunter. He knows how to find peace in every relationship. But you've got to be dependent upon him, follow him careful, and make sure you have a rein on your tongue and don't just say what comes to your mind. You've got to submit it to the Lordship of Jesus, and he will show you how to capture peace in every relationship. He really will. And all of that is in this book called You Can Get Over It, and it's also in our testimony, which is called Unlikely You Will Just Laugh Your Head Off. You'll laugh on your way to freedom. But sometimes relationships are difficult. It takes time, and it takes heavenly wisdom to know how to capture peace. So that's what I have to say about the inevitability about difficult relationships. Joel? The next question is, Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7 that we are not to judge lest we be judged. How then do we judge the fruit of a believer's life and yet not fall on the fine line of improper judgment? I'm learning to discern between the two, and it would be really helpful to have a teaching on it. Well, first of all, there's nothing wrong with judging. What's wrong is being judgmental. We judge everything in life. You judge how close you should drive to the car in front of you. You judge whether it's good for you to eat that food. You judge whether you should spend that money or not. Judgment is just a part of life. And sometimes when you address an issue in somebody's life, they will say, judge not, lest you be not judged. That's the way of just throwing up a wall and then building a defense so nobody can speak to them a word of correction. That is wrong. Judgment is just a part of life. In fact, we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we should judge ourselves before we partake of communion. Judgment is a part of life, but being judgmental is something different. And you need to be able to judge whether you're right. You need to be able to judge whether your kids are telling you the truth. Don't you judge that? You need to be able to judge whether you're spending your money right. It's just a part of life. So if you're one of those people who say, don't judge me, don't judge me, my friends, 
Nobody wants to judge you. Really, nobody wants to do that. They may want to address something. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're judging you. Being judgmental is a different issue. That's where you're just judgmental of somebody. You've locked them into your opinion. They can't break free of it. That's being judgmental. But friends, don't, don't misuse Matthew 7, verse 1, which says, Judge not that you be not judged. It really means don't be judgmental or others will be judgmental with you. But judgment is just a part of life. You have to be judging things all the time. You have to judge whether a relationship is good for you. As a pastor, you have to judge whether a person is prepared for ministry. As a pastor, you have to judge whether that person is telling you the truth when they come for counseling or if somebody's lying to you. That's just a part of it. Judgment and discernment are kind of the same thing. But being judgmental is what we don't want to do. So I hope that helps. Very helpful. What happened between Paul and Barnabas that they divided from each other? Well, that was very unfortunate. Let's go there. And in Acts chapter 15, we have the story. And there's a lot of elements in this story. You have to remember that when Barnabas came and found Saul, who became Paul, he was not in the church. He had a revelation of Christ, but he had no relationship with the local church. Barnabas found him. Barnabas brought him to Antioch. The Apostle Paul then became a part of the church. But at that moment, you could say that Barnabas was the spiritual leader in that relationship. Just think about it. Barnabas was the one that found him. Barnabas is the one that introduced him. It was Barnabas who made sure he became a part of the leadership team. Barnabas was like his elder spiritual brother. And I'm sure, especially in the younger years, Paul looked to Barnabas for counsel, for support, for help. But as the years began to go by... Paul's anointing began to get stronger and stronger and stronger, and his anointing eclipsed Barnabas's. And sometimes when relations flip-flop like that, it's difficult on the relationship because the person who was the leader is no longer the leader, and he may feel like, well, who are you to tell me what to do? Hey, I've always been the leader here, but the relationship is changing because one's growth has grown so much. But when you come to Acts chapter 15, we find about an event that happened between Paul and Barnabas. And the Bible tells us beginning in verse 36. And some days after Paul said to Barnabas, let's go again and visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they do. Verse 37, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. This was his sister's son. His sister was Mary. Mary had a big house in Jerusalem. It's where Pentecost took place. It later became the place where a lot of church gatherings took place. When you come to Acts chapter 12, Peter's released from prison. He goes to where they're praying. They're praying in this Mary's house. She had a son whose name was Mark, John Mark. This is Barnabas' nephew. And he wants to take John Mark with him on this next apostolic journey. Verse 38. But Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with him to the work. Or there was an earlier moment when he went AWOL. He disappeared. He went home to mama. You know why? Because he was like an apple picked too soon. It wasn't that John Mark was bad. They just chose him for significant ministry before he was ready. They should have waited a little bit longer. He wasn't ready for it. And he's still not ready, but... Barnabas really wants him to go. And the Bible tells us in verse 39, And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark 
and sailed off to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And when the Bible says the contention was so sharp between them, it's the Greek word parazuxmos. The word para means to be alongside. That's where you get the word for a parasite. You can't get much closer than that. So it pictures these two guys right alongside of each other. And zuxmas is a word which means to poke with a stick or a sharpened instrument. They were changing sharp words with each other, alongside of each other, poking each other, exchanging jabs with each other, and the contention became so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. Barnabas took Mark and sailed off. Paul took Silas and sailed off. And the two of them, as far as we know, never ministered together again. And at that juncture, the Apostle Paul stays in the book of Acts. Barnabas disappears. He disappears. And we find out that sometimes strife will cause you to disappear, to disappear. God just does not work with strife. And that's why in our own ministry we have what, Joel? No strife rule policy. We have a no strife policy. We just do not allow strife. And if somebody gets into strife, well, let me tell you, the door will hit their backside on the way out because we do not let strife in our ministry. We don't let strife in our marriage. We don't allow strife in our family. We don't allow strife in our conversation because strife is a door opener for evil things. You can read that in James chapter 3. It says, where envying and strife is, there is every evil work. And we've already seen from Hebrews chapter 12 that strife is a blocker that stops the presence of God. We don't want that. So we do everything we can to stop strife. But that's what happened to Barnabas and Saul. I truly believe they could have resolved it in a more mature way. But sometimes it happens to everybody. Next question. Next question is kind of off topic, but is what what is your personal favorite book of the Bible? Well, it's kind of hard to say what's my favorite book of the Bible, but I'll tell you what has ministered to me over and over and over and over, and it's the book of Psalms. When I get finished reading the book of Psalms, I start again, and then I start again, and then I start again, and then I start again, because in the book of Psalms, there's strength, there's healing, there's encouragement, there's courage, there's hope. I literally feed my soul on the book of Psalms, and I read it nearly every morning. So when I get up, turn on the coffee pot, feed the dogs, grab my Bible and go to a place where I begin to feed my heart on the Word of God. And part of what I feed on is the book of Psalms. It's a regular part of my spiritual regimen because it just gives so much to me. And I encourage you to spend some time in the book of Psalms, but we're out of time. Right now, my announcer is going to tell you how you can get so many wonderful things. And then Joel and I will be back and we are going to pray for you. Once a year, Rick Renner takes a full week to answer difficult questions sent in from people who watch his programs. Rick dives deep into these questions to answer them as honestly as possible. People love these programs because Rick really answers the questions that they've been asking. In this series, Rick Renner answers your difficult questions. Rick answers questions like, why don't you use your platforms to address political issues? What do you believe is the biggest single challenge facing the church today and in the next years? What if I don't agree with the direction my church is headed? Do all the promises God spoke to Israel apply to believers today? Why are there four Gospels and what is the difference between them? This eye-opening five-part series is available in digital or physical format starting at just $10. 
And right now, every regularly priced item in the online store is on sale for 30% off. That's right, every regularly priced item at renner.org is 30% off. And we're excited to also offer you Rick's beautiful new book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story, for a special new release price of $35. It's a book you will want to share with friends and family at this time of the year. This hardcover, 300-page, fully illustrated book is a keepsake that friends and family will pass on to future generations. Don't miss this special offer. This series, Rick Renner Answers Your Difficult Questions, and the beautiful book, Christmas, The Rest of the Story. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now. This week, take advantage of our two-week cyber sale. We're offering a 30% discount on all our resources. That's right, 30% off everything in our renner.org store. Go to renner.org right now and save on all your favorite teachings by Rick and Denise. Now is the time to order the products you've been waiting for. Go to renner.org today and save big on books, CDs, study guides, and more. Go to renner.org to order. Hey friends, this is Rick Renner, and today I am standing in the foyer of Rick Renner Ministries in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I just wish I could pick you up and bring you here to see all the wonderful ministry that is happening in this facility where we receive thousands and thousands of phone calls from people just like you who reach out to us for prayer and for teaching they can trust. Proverbs 10:21 says, the lips of the righteous feed many, and we know that's our job. Our job is to feed many. And I want to say thank you to you for everything you've helped us do with your giving. You helped us construct our studio, purchase this building. And now in phase three of our ministry expansion program, we're wanting to pave this facility off so we can liberate all that money to take the teaching of the Bible around the world on additional channels and venues. And by being a part of our giving team, you can really help us make this happen. If you're not already a part of our giving team, please pray about joining us. And together we can join hands and through teaching of the Bible and by ministering to people that reach out to us and by sending teaching products around the world, we can really change people's lives. And it's amazing to me that today it's never been easier to make an impact in somebody else's life right from where you are. So thank you for praying about being a part of our giving team. And the moment you join, I want you to really expect the power of God to show up in your life. Well, today we're wrapping up Difficult Questions with Rick Renner. And Joel, I want to thank you for being here every day this week. Thank you. And thank you all for watching and being with us. It's been such a pleasure to spend this time with you, and we want you to be sure to order the whole series, which is called Rick Renner Answers Your Difficult Questions. And everything we've discussed this week is in this series, and it comes with a study guide. And as we've told you, right now, everything on our website, Joel, is at a 30% discount. That's right. That's a substantial discount because we want people to get as much as they can get. We believe that where the word of a king is, there's power. So we want you to get a lot of the word of God into your heart so it will release its power in you, in your family, in your relationships. Anyway, it's just been so good to be with you this week. And by the way, if you need prayer, reach out to us. We want to pray with you. We really do.
And when we come back on Monday, we have such wonderful programs waiting for you. Don't miss next week's broadcast. It's going to really feed your heart. But hey, Joel and I want to pray with you right now. Father, first of all, thank you that I could be with Joel this week. Thank you that Joel and I could be with you. Lord, you say where two or three of you are gathered, there you are. You've been with us this week. You're here with us right now. And Lord, I ask you to lay your hand on my friend, on our partner. Lord, I ask you to change them, strengthen them, heal them, do whatever they need. I ask you to do this, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. And Father, we pray for a revival of the Bible in the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being with me and Joel. We'll see you next week. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, which says, where the word of a king is, there is power. 